Donald Trump made a trip to the nation's capital today to visit a courtroom where he pled not guilty to four federal charges. The indictment papers were uh, handed down the other day. Now he has made his court appearance. Uh, no picture of him, I believe, is taken. No mugshot. This is very similar to the other circumstances we've had around him. This time it was a little bit more private. Uh, not much of a view, camera-wise, of him going into the building or anything like that. No dramatic shot of uh, of a doorway for 30 minutes on live TV. To talk about uh, what all happened today and what we're going to look for uh, as we get into the future, Greg Wallace, Campbell Law Professor. Greg, thanks for being on the show. Well, thanks for having me. So this whole indictment is more around uh, things that happened with election uh, interference is what has been alleged, and that's uh, all tied in as well with the January 6th things, uh, the transition of power as we have each time we transition uh, from president to president. There was a lot of drama that happened at that time, and it seems like this is kind of a culmination of some years of investigation into all what happened. Well, there's no doubt that uh, there were numerous instances of uh, uh, less than stellar behavior by uh, President Trump at the time. Uh, he did not uh, go out, I think, uh, uh, on, a, on a high note. But just because uh, that behavior may have been bad uh, doesn't mean it was criminal. And I think they're going to have a very hard time of proving these allegations. Yeah, so what would they have to lock down as a fact for the jury to accept to say that uh, it was in, that it was criminal? Because it's one thing to have millions of people, uh, which granted there were millions of people who approved what Trump did and said at the time. There's millions who were completely against it as well, both sides very polarized. What would attorneys have to prove to a jury to actually have a guilty conviction for one of these four charges? Well, to, to begin with, just uh, on a legal matter, they've charged Trump with defrauding the government, and the Supreme Court has ruled in past cases that the statute at issue there only applies to fraud that deprives someone of money or property, and so I don't think that charge, just from a legal standpoint, is going to stand. Uh, with respect to the obstruction of the government proceeding and the conspiracy to do that, uh, they're, they're going to have to prove that Trump knew that uh, he had lost the election, that there was no fraud uh, in the outcome of the election. And I think that's going to be a very high bar for them as well, because I, if you remember, there were lots of uh, uh, reports of voter fraud in November and December of, of 2020, you had the situations at Philadelphia and Detroit where Republican poll watchers were locked out of the building. You've got uh, the situation in Atlanta where Democrats falsely claimed the pipe had burst and, and said that counting was going to have to be suspended, and then they resumed it. There, there, there were lots of, um, of, of claims there. And unfortunately, in our system, there's simply not enough time to litigate those claims between the election and the inauguration of the, of the, the winning candidate. And so I think it's, it's probable that Trump uh, really believed uh, in good faith that he had, had lost the election due to fraud. But they're going to have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that he knew that he had lost the election fair and square, and I think that's going to be uh, difficult for them to do so. 
Yeah, I think that would take some pretty substantial evidence from some pretty substantial people to prove that, uh, because Trump has been very adamant from day one of that situation until now that he believes that it was a rigged election. It would take some pretty big evidence, I feel like, uh, to prove that Trump has been lying every single time he's spoken. Well, I think that if, if you have instances where people you get a number of witnesses to come in and say, yeah, Trump told me he knew he'd lost, but he was just, he was just doing this to try to keep his, his options open or whatever. That might be, that might be persuasive to a jury. But, but I, I think, you know, if, if Trump did believe honestly that he had been defrauded out of the election, then, uh, I think that his last resort was to, uh, rely on a series of, frankly, bad legal arguments to try to overturn the results uh, to keep his claims alive. And the worst one was that uh, his theory that Mike Pence, as vice president, could decide what slate of electors to be approved and to send the election back to a state. I, I don't think that's a good legal argument. I said at the time that I didn't think that was a good constitutional argument. But, you know, it's not criminal to rely on bad legal advice or our jails would be filled with uh, with lawyers and their clients, uh, including <laughs> several lawyers from the de- current Department of Justice. Speaking with Greg Wallace, who's a Campbell Law professor, uh, there's lots of radio shows all over the country, TV shows as well, people just talking around the table. That's very uh, political looking at this whole situation. I appreciate the uh, looking at it as a lawyer, as what the law says. I feel like that's uh, kind of unique these days. One question I've had this whole time is, how do you get a fair jury for a trial like this? Well, certainly uh, in the District of Columbia, which you know voted about ninety percent against Trump, uh, it, it's it that that's a that's a great question. But the the problem that you have is that um, is that you have to a juror has to be disqualified or or a change of venue granted because the person could not get a fair trial. And I and I think you're going to have to prove more than simply that the voters voted Democrat. They didn't vote, uh, you know, for Trump. So, I mean, if that's the case, then what does that mean? Only Trump voters could sit on a jury, you know, to try him in these cases. I don't think we want to go there. So I, I think it's going to be very, very difficult, particularly with the district judge, that's presiding over the case to get a change of venue. Looking at some live footage now I have in front of me from our partner CBS. They are now driving their caravan out of Washington, D.C. Trump has left the uh, courthouse. He's on his way back home. Uh, This is basically done here for the day with Donald Trump. Uh, Greg, as we move forward, how much is this, uh, these court dates for all these various indictments that he and his lawyers are having to deal with now. How is these dates going to affect his campaign moving forward? Is that going to, are there going to be lots of issues with scheduling? Well, I think so. I, I think they've scheduled the trial initially for what would be this, this sort of critical phase of uh, the uh, primary uh, election uh time and and then moving into the uh if trump wins the republican primary moving into the uh to the overall election uh, you know the these the, the facts were pretty well established you know two years ago i think to me it seems obvious that the timing of this was was put off they could have brought these charges earlier 
Uh, one thing, though, is typically the court date that's initially scheduled is not the one that they end up uh, using because uh, various things uh, result in postponements. So we'll just have to see how it plays out. Well, Greg, thank you so much. Lots of good insight there. Thank you.